It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Lifetime's Robin Roberts Presents Mahalia. From executive producers Robin Roberts and Linda Berman comes the biopic of the legendary Mahalia Jackson. Grammy Award winner Daniel Brooks stars as the trailblazer whose music moved, inspired, and changed people's hearts. Critics have praised Brooks's transformative performance into the Queen of Gospel as thunderingly good. Directed by Kenny Leon and written by Bettina Jillowa and Todd Kreidler, this Lifetime original movie continues to inspire viewers and highlights the ongoing fight for social justice. Robin Roberts presents Mahalia for your Emmy consideration in all categories. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Deadlines New Hollywood podcast. I am Amanda Nduka. And I am Dino Ray Ramos. And this week, we have another special, a special Bonus. In the Heights episode. A bon- it's In the Heights week. Let's yes, just say In that. the Heights it's week, the yes. Heights week. So we have director John M. Chu and the man himself who created In the Heights, Lin-Manuel Miranda. We, we recorded with them separately, yeah. but it's one episode. Because right. They, they in both, the heights. <laughs> We're celebrating yeah. this movie, guys, because obviously this is a this is a podcast about representation. Um, this film is, I don't know, it's the first film in a while. I can't think of a, a movie that I've just been of all Latino cast. Um, no, it's like the last one probably by a major studio was probably yeah, La Bamba, which yeah, was in the eighties. Like, <laughs> yeah. So this is this is this is or maybe Selena. Selena, yeah. Yeah, we have to go, but just, but even at this scope though, like this, 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 this cast and the, the, the dance numbers and the, and, and the production of it, like, I don't know if we've, we've seen a production of this, this type of scope with a Latin, Latino cast. And you guys, when I say like, I think this film is for the culture. I, like I said, we talked about this before with Anthony, with Lynn, but we just got this, the same type of chills that I got watching like I said, Black Panther, Crazy Rich Asians, things that are just such big scope with with people um, mar- with um, people of color as as the center. The way that you get a feeling of this is what we've needed is what I got from In the Heights. I was very excited about it. The dance numbers were amazing. I mean, John, he's done Step Up. Yeah, I think it's just because John too, uh, he he really knows how to frame a shot, and yeah, he knows how to handle dancers and performers like. There's multiple dance, like huge uh, ensemble numbers that kind of just are, are amazing to watch. Like the we'll spectacle, blow your like, mind. Yeah. Every single corner of the screen, something's happening. Yeah. And I, I think that's what makes this very much a production and something to watch in the theater. If I'm yeah. being honest, if you're like, if you're vaccinated, I mean, we talk about this in the episode with uh, with with John. But if you're vaccinated, I really encourage you to go. Me you too. Know, just wear a mask. It's you know, it's you know. it's safe, guys. We've been it it. it I didn't feel uncomfortable whatsoever yeah. um wear a mask but this is yeah. definitely a film that needs to be experienced on the on the big screen yeah 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 um yes. yeah I I thoroughly enjoyed it John and John we just we just love him like he's done crazy rich Asians he's, he's yeah I mean he's doing wicked next um yeah. another po- very popular Broadway play I just think he's really making a name for himself and I'm 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 loving seeing his direction. Like how many yeah. Asian American directors are are can we think of that are you know in the studios making well, these yeah. films? 
And also he's been doing the work and right. he, it, it feels like he's just now getting noticed, but he's been around. Yeah. Uh, and it's, of course, and we have Lynn as well, who's Lynn Manuel. Yeah, Hamilton. exactly. Uh, and he's also doing uh, tick, all tick, the awards. Boom. Uh, <laughs> tick, boom is going to be his feature directorial his debut. So, yeah. and, you know, of course, and he also is, he is also in, in the Heights. Right. Um, uh, but just to see his work be on the screen, finally um, yeah. in a narrative form. I mean, we had like Hamilton on Disney Plus and everything, but I think this is a whole different thing because In the Heights kind of put Lin-Manuel on the map and just to have his, this Broadway play finally reach screen. Yeah, it, 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 it was a long journey. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It was so we have journey. both of them here. Yeah, and like I said, if, if like we said, you guys go see this movie in the theaters. It's it's the only way to well not the only way if you don't please if you're uncomfortable HBO Max mm-hmm. um, HBO Max it um, <laughs> but if not let's su- let's support these theaters guys because we don't we don't want these to go away yeah. so so without further ado here is John and Lynn. John, welcome. Thank you. To- Thank you for thank you for thank you for joining us today. Welcome to Deadline's new Hollywood podcast. Um, All right. Obviously, <laughs> obviously, you are the director of an amazing film called In the mm-hmm. Heights. Um, we, we will get to that. Yes, we we loved it. Um, we will get to that later. But but before we jump into all that, we, we like to on this podcast kind of start off about getting to let get into a little bit about your journey um, to 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 work to get to the point um, where you're at right now. Um, mm-hmm. So I know you grew up in California, correct? Yeah, Northern California in yeah. uh, Los Santos. Yes, yes Bay Area. <laughs> right. Um, so at what point in your life did you realize that you wanted to be a director and producer? I know you went to USC film school, but what, yeah. what point did you, yeah. I was very lucky. I was really young. I, um, my parents uh, would give me, I'm the youngest of five kids and um, grew up in a Chinese restaurant and my parents would take us on vacations, all five of us in yes. a nutty way. And, um, and I, they gave me the video camera to carry one of those ones you put on your, your shoulder. Uh, and I would lug that around and awesome. I would just shoot my own videos during that so uh and then once i started to edit it together i got this little mixer from sharper image i showed my parents and um they started to cry when they watched it and so i I knew at that point like oh there's a voice here they're listening to me (laughs) finally after all these years (laughs) that's so cool yeah did your camera have a like did you have to carry the vcr on the side was it one of those like really old school ones because we had one of those yeah i know what those are but this was built in so i had to like oh so you had like the advanced one it was maybe you know know. (laughs) it didn't skip at radio shack okay (laughs) radio shack Shack. oh shout out to radio shack shout out to radio shack you you mentioned radio shack and sharper image so yeah Cameras at Fries. Fries. Shout out to Fries. You're just taking it as back. Is Fries still around? I don't even know. No, they uh, closed they a lot. There was one okay. in San Jose. I used to go to a lot. Uh, okay. When I lived yeah. in the Bay Area. But anyway, it was like an amusement park. It was right. It was. It was like a Saturday Saturday during the daytime like adventure. Um, yeah. to go to I was fries. in Palo Alto. It was a, a cowboy theme, and it was um, in the spot, and, and right behind it was where PDI started. Uh, where DreamWorks Animation started. So oh, I would yeah. Like, oh, wow. Wow. So I would like look around, like make yeah. an ant somewhere here. That's cool. And that's cool that your parents were were very supportive. Are your par- are they first generation? Um, first generation. They moved here when they were 19, 20 years old. I'm named after a TV show. Uh, my sister and I, Jennifer and Jonathan, after Jennifer and Jonathan Hart, from heart to heart. From heart oh, to heart? Really? Uh, I did not know this. Oh my gosh. That's Sorry. so cool. So yeah. media, they, they adored media, apparently. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> uh, I think that's why they cried when they watched that video of us. I think it um, they saw themselves on TV the way that they, what they worshipped. And, and we were just a regular family having a good time. And I think that moved them. Oh, oh, I love that. I love that. And I love that they were so supportive, especially being first generation. We, we talk, we have a bunch of first generation people on the show all the time. And we always talk about how yeah. it's really hard to, you know, to, to, to get, families, get yeah. support, to get support in different, these types of entertainment fields, arts, creative okay. fields. So it's really great that your parents were really, were really supportive of you from, from the jump. Um, I mean, they weren't always, there was a moment. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, they had to fit I, it in my there mom, somehow. I was editing something at like three in the morning for my school because I had convinced my teachers to like let me make videos instead of write papers. Mm-hmm. My mom, <laughs> so I'd stay up all night. I could, I didn't need sleep. And my mom came in, she was so angry and she unplugged my computer. And back then, if you unplug your computer, you lose everything's everything. lost. Yes. Oh. And I was like devastated. And she's like, you're, you've, you've conned your school. You, you have to write papers. This is not. Wow. Yeah. Oh, I went back okay. in her room that night, uh, bawling my eyes out. And I was <laughs> like, you always told me to follow my dreams. And it, was, it, was, it, was, it was like a lifetime movie moment. <laughs> when my movie becomes a lifetime movie, this will be that, that uh, okay. winning moment. <laughs> And uh, I said, this is what I love. You're going to be with me or against me. And uh, she's like, I'm against you. Go back to me. <laughs> and I went to sleep. And the next day she showed up with a pile of filmmaking books. And she said, you're going to do this. You have to study it like a real craft. And you have to mm. learn and study about it. And uh, yes. from then on, I had my back. Oh, okay. So, okay. So besides that, the, 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 the literature that your mom gave you, were there any other filmmakers or storytellers that, that you looked up to that sort of informed the type of um, approach that you wanted to take with your career? Yeah. I mean, I think Steven Spielberg always was, that was us it was in the in the eighties. Yeah. E.T. Uh, blew my mind open. Uh, Jaws. <clears throat> By the way, we, we, we could watch anything. We were watching Nightmare on Elm Street, a dream wow. world. It was like little, little. Um, and, um, so it was always around us and uh, Tim Burton, when Batman came out, I remember getting the soundtrack. I remember getting the toys. Yes. It, was like, it wasn't just the movie. It was the yes. event of going and creating your own stories when you got home and doing the, the Batman dance or whatever was happening. Oh my God, like, Batman, Prince, <laughs> Bat dance. <laughs> it was so good. Yeah. That whole thing moved me and, and made me feel like, oh, this is like, this is, you can create this for people. And, yeah. and that was very powerful for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you know, you, you, we were, right before you came on, we were talking about kind of your, your, your films, uh, uh, the, the, you know, Step Up To and like the dance, your kind of connection to music and dance yeah. oriented projects, not just like features, but, you know, even the Justin Bieber doc, you know, yep. I, and I think you know that, you know, me and Jenny Amato have been talking about doing a whole step up, you know, <laughs> festival, <laughs> because I love any dance, you know, uh, <laughs> film. but, you know, even like with Gem and the Holograms and, you know, you, and then was there any point where you felt the need to tell Asian narratives before Crazy Rich Asians? Or did you have like, you know, did you feel any pressure because you were probably one of the only Asian American filmmakers, you know, yeah. uh, during out there who was like a household name in yeah. Hollywood that that Hollywood spotlighted? Did you ever feel the need that you're like, or like even I don't want to say burden, but it is that's like the only way I could mm-hmm. describe it. But like just like pressure, just like because you were an Asian face in the public, and yeah. did you feel the need to kind of tell our stories or this pressure? I think I, I felt a little bit of that in, in college when we were, mm. when I was sort of finding my voice in, at USC. And I, um, I did a short film called Silent Beats, which you can look up on YouTube. It still gets shown at schools around oh, cool. the world, which is crazy. Five minutes short to all the tap rhythms uh, about your first impressions of people when you see them and your judgments on them um, mm. and being aware of that. And, and my next one, I was like, I want to tackle, I want to go further. I want to tackle this, my cultural identity crisis in this, this little short film called Guaylo. The little mm-hmm. foreigner and mm-hmm. it was a musical and i we screened it for the whole school uh we it was, it was you know only one we they choose only four directors for your final thesis film at usc and so i was one of those that could chosen for this script and um it was a huge hit the problem mm-hmm. was i felt very self-conscious of it i was like mm-hmm. oh i don't know if i got this right i don't even know what asian american really means like i couldn't show it it was very difficult for me to show and mm-hmm. so i didn't it, I didn't put it into festivals, which is very unfair to my crew and cast. I didn't mm-hmm. do anything with it. I sort of buried it. And I and my next film was a musical, but I didn't include my Asian cultural identity in it. And that's the musical that blew up, that got me, mm. gave me my calling card that Steven Spielberg saw that got me into this mm. business. So in a weird that way, that tweak and not feeling like I wasn't ready to tell that yet. Um, mm-hmm convinced me that I that I needed to just be a director, not an mm-hmm. Asian American director at the time. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was the way to do it. It wasn't until, you know, doing all these movies, Justin Bieber, working with The Rock, working with Mark Ruffalo and, and Michael Caine and Morgan Freeman that I came to the end of that and being like, but what am I? 
and, mm. and, and, and there was a movement happening around about Oscars so white and, and how Hollywood was really messing things up. And I was like, oh, I am, I am one of those people. And um, it made me revisit that idea. And I felt, I think, confident the first time in my life, like, oh, I'm here in this industry. I'm not fighting for myself now. And I think I can like, I made enough money for people. I think I can squeeze one in. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to tackle something that's scary for me, which is that cultural identity. So I, it took a decade to come back to try to tackle that. Um, and mm-hmm. at that point, I was like, I didn't, I was like, hell yeah, I'm an Asian American director. Like, yeah. And, and yeah. that's what makes, because that's my superpower. And so that's where Crazy mm-hmm. Rich came from. That's where In the Heights came from. I, I yeah. signed on for both at the same time. So I was in the ah. same um, and those movies changed my life about what I was here to do. Mm. Yeah, I do think like, I, I'm gonna, maybe this is a controversial thing to say, but like people weren't ready for Crazy Rich Asians like 10 years ago. If you, I bet you if that was rele- a movie like that was yeah. released, it would have faded into, you know, oblivion. It's like, we, we had Sung Kang on, well, his episode will be later, but <laughs> spoiler alert. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but he, we were talking about Better Luck Tomorrow and how that movie came out with such an impact, but that impact faded so fast. Mm-hmm. You know, it didn't resonate because of social. There was no social media. There was no really big bolstering. But I think Crazy Rich Asians came out at the perfect time, um, and now with In the Heights, you know, when you were approached to do In the Heights. Was was there? You know, it's a great project, and Lynn's great, and everyone. We just had Lynn on too. Um, cool. But did you ever think? Were you kind of like, oh, I, maybe a Latino director should should handle this? Or I mean, yeah. it, it was great to have you there. But how did you kind of finally kind of land? Or what kind of conversation did you have with Lynn when you were doing this? I I, I didn't have that conversation in the beginning. This was like mm-hmm. whatever, two thousand sixteen. And mm-hmm. I didn't think twice about it. And I was like, I, I, I know I, I, his, his show spoke to me about even growing up in a Chinese restaurant. Like I knew what it was like to have aunties and uncles raise you. I knew what the pressure was. I knew who my abuela Claudia was my boo-boo who taught me how to make wontons on the table. So that I didn't have it then. After Crazy Rich Asians, after that experience, seeing the audience um, and, and the world was sort of catching up with everything. I mean, I always say that Crazy Rich Asians we didn't like spark that. That was sparked way before us. We are we are a result of people speaking out. I am a result of people getting into my head and being like, what are you doing? Yeah. Um, and giving me the strength and the courage, knowing that there's a whole group of people who identify in the same way that I could make this movie. Who knew if it was gonna be a hit, but we could do it for ourselves. Um, after that movie, I went back to Lynn and Kiar and had a very serious conversation. Like, should I be doing this movie? Mm. Uh, I understand that um, if there was a Latino director that we wanted to do this, that I'm down. Like, don't let me be in the way. And they didn't hesitate. They're like, you're mm. the one. And by the way, we're going to be there, John. So calm down. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're like, we'll be there to keep you in check. Yes. <laughs> uh, and, and that's the way it was. It was, um, I think uh, we... I could be an outsider to, um, as they told me their story, as they invited me into Washington Heights, where the best cafe con leche was, where mm. where the best handball games were, uh, that I could see in the same way, I'd never been to Singapore before, but mm. I, in sort of Rachel's eyes, could go there and, and, and get the tour and see the things that like surprised me, the things that I had assumptions of that were opposite. And so mm. when I went to Washington Heights, those first few times, that's what happened. I was like, wait, this tunnel is incredible. He's like, oh yeah, I used to walk through this tunnel every day to see my abuela. Yeah. Like, we have to shoot in this tunnel. Mm-hmm. I don't know how we're going to clear all the graffiti, but this is amazing. <laughs> uh, and then, oh yeah, this is uh, this is the pool that we used to spend the summer. Yeah, on. you guys shot on locate. Yeah, that's really cool. This pool is huge. I've never seen pools this big before. I'm like, you can't build this. Mm. Uh, so, so in a way, um, because we were a group, it was not me saying we're going to do this, 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 and this to follow the storyboards. This was share with me, show me, and, and, mm-hmm. and let me lean into whatever you want to show. And I'll use my skills. I think I learned a lot of this through the LXD, through learning with dancers. They mm-hmm. all invented their own styles of dance, whether yeah. or flexing, and I didn't know anything about it, but they would tell me the story of why, tell me mm-hmm. sort of who created it. And we'd be like, okay, what's a story that evolves, in, that, that, that can, we can build off of that, tells that, and let me get out of the way. You know, if, yeah. if you have Matt Chad doing a roboting and your camera spins around, you're running all over him. And we did yeah. that at certain points, but we learned a lesson. Let him do the movement, let him mm-hmm. lead it. 
And so those little lessons, I think, paid off a lot in um, jumping into In the Heights. Mm. And um, you, I, I read somewhere, I don't know if this is true, but I read somewhere that you were also, you also um, are part of a dance crew. Um, <laughs> is that is well, that a true story? Is that factual? Or, is that yeah. fake news? Is let's that be real. News? Let's be real. So uh, <laughs> uh, when, there was there was a time. I'm not a dancer, but there was okay. a time. Though I took tap dance for 12 years, but that's a separate. Oh, okay. Uh, okay, that's a, uh, that's, that's a, a long time. <laughs> 12 years? That's a long time. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, why haven't we seen any of that in action? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. this is, this is, I learned my lesson to be behind the camera. Okay. But that said. Dancers were my people. Dancers are okay. my people. I love them so much. Okay. And they're my best friends. And so, um, and and the camera could assist them. I could capture it forever. Yeah. I could get that moment and I could help it if, if I countered them. I could make it feel faster. I could do all sorts of things. Um, so anyway, that that's, there was a time when um, after Step Up 2 that we challenged, uh, me and the dancers of Step Up 2 challenged Miley Cyrus to a dance-off. And okay. so uh, it became this big online dance battle, real, uh, with all I our dancers. I remember that. Versus her dancers. And we made all these videos and I was editing it in my room with uh, Adam Savani. And so we called our dance crew, the Adam Chu dance crew. Okay. Um, <laughs> and we battled uh, and eventually, <laughs> she, and she, we had all sorts of people on it. Like our team, we had like, um, uh, we well, they had Channing Tatum, which was kind of a slap in our face. And that Jennifer. is unfair. That's yeah. unfair. Uh, they also had like Joey Fatone, and they had okay. Like, <laughs> yes. um, but we had like um, Diana Ross. We had Chris Brown. Okay. Had, okay. Wow. Okay. We had our own. We had, our own. We had Adam. So yeah, there, there, it was a it was a level playing field. Right. It was like, a level playing field, yeah. and it was like this weird cultural moment. Nice. Uh, popped at the beginning of YouTube um, and I, this is 2009. And mm -hmm. so I, I saw A, the power of creating yourself. Like it reminded me, oh yeah, I, I, I'm not a professional movie maker. I, I, I make things with my camera and I edit it. And so it reminded me never to wait for permission to make things. And two, YouTube was this new vehicle. And oh my gosh, there's an audience out there that wants to participate with us. And we made t-shirts that they could buy that went all to charity and they would dance in their uh, cities and they would swarm Miley's fan sites with these videos. Like we dance for the ACDC and it would just like go off. It was like uh. digital, <laughs> it was crazy. So anyway, uh, that's probably what they're talking about. Yeah, okay, I love that. That is, I, I think I remember I remember when that was happening. Adam, yeah. Adam, he has he has super curly hair, right? Yeah. Uh, I can't think of his last name, but I, I can Adam I Savani. can picture yeah. Yes, okay. Oh, that's so cool. Um, um, you mentioned you mentioned like a cultural moment that was sort of a cultural moment back then, and I like when when we were talking about this film, um, Dino and I, and even when we were talking to Lynn, Lynn about it, we were kind of like this after watching the movie, it gave us the same type of feeling that we got after watching Black Panther, after watching Crazy Rich Asians, mm -hmm. to where this is just such a moment for the culture, like in the Heights is so big in scope so colorful so light so it it was but there was there's so much there's so much meat to it there's so much cultural meat to it we get to we get to learn about the different types of latino cultures we get to see the different types of people it, it, it was and it was the music was great the acting it was just i felt like this is something that we we talk about diversity and inclusion all the time but we don't really talk about the Latino community, whenever we, it's usually about the yeah. black community, you know, um, or the, sometimes the Asian community, but we don't really like to focus. And I, and I think like this movie really gave us what we've been missing when it comes to representation within the Latino community. Um, so for you, when you officially signed on it, what were some of the challenges? Um, what were some of your challenges that you immediately, and that you sort of, um, faced taking on this project and um and with the, with the big with the big production numbers you had I know there was one scene there was like what 600 dancers in a pool um crazy and and, and yeah. how did and how did sort of your experience with doing step up and sort of all these other choreographed um films help you with this film yeah well in a way it was um there were two 
you know, I've worked with Alice Brooks, our, our cinematographer, since I was, we were students at USC. Chris mm -hmm. Scott, uh, he's a dancer in, he was a dancer in, in Step Up too. So I've known him for years and he choreographed all the stuff in our dance battles and then eventually, you know, all our LXD stuff and all my work. And so we had a very tight knit group that had been do doing a lot of experiments with dance already. Mm -hmm. On the other side was Lynn. And he had Alex Lacamoire and Bill and, yeah. and Kiara. They're all best friends and have been together for years. Mm -hmm. So in a weird way, we had these almost mirror families of people who love to make stuff, who mm. love to make stuff against all odds, who were creating our own stuff. We didn't need anybody else. And, and we found these, it was like getting married, these two creative families, mm -hmm. Voltron did up. And <laughs> can imagine like we knew uh, uh, dance and, how, and, and we knew these dancers and we knew mm -hmm. their lives and how to express them in the smallest, most intimate ways and the grandest. And then we had the best lyricist and songwriter of our generation who delivered these songs that were true to his own experiences that were written about the places that we were now going to shoot in. And he mm. had uh, the song, uh, the, the, the musical directors that knew the musicians to do this, the best in the world. We knew the, 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 the best dancers in New York to portray uh, this culture in that. We had Kiara whose words are poetry, everything that comes out of her. So she gave it this depth, this intimacy and all of us together fit into this piece that we were all sharing in the same story that we were trying to tell, which is mm -hmm. that there is no such thing as small stories that we could have mm -hmm. picked anyone on this block to tell. And we chose this one bodega owner and the people around him and that their dreams and their hopes and their struggles are as important and as big um, as any movie that we've seen before. And it's through them, not on top of them. This is not a mayor coming to town to buy out the block. And then we have a big musical number of the government coming in to take over. That was not what this movie was. We have no yeah. guns, yeah. no knives. Right. This, uh, this is inside. No bad guys. So the, 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 the enormity came from the, 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 became from the intimacy actually mm, we had to yeah. be with them we had to feel when we push in on usnavi and he's looking out that bodega and on our camera is slowly moving in tightening the screw and he's dreaming and yearning and there's a glass in the way and the reflection in that glass is not the community feeling sad for him sorry for yeah. him mm. dancing with energy saying daring him to break the window daring yeah. him to dream bigger it's a moment like this that was and and then anthony has to be up he has to paint this so finely that he's giving so much truth. He doesn't, he can't say anything without the truth. So he's saying this with his eyes, not even moving. And we're feeling every ounce of this. So every piece had to be together in order to deliver a moment like that. And that had to happen over and over and over and over again. So it was a matter of a lot of communication and yeah. process. Yeah, it's like, I, at first I thought the whole pool scene was a set piece and I was all, no, that, and I learned <laughs> that it wasn't. And, and of it's course, amazing. you know, I, I, I didn't message you about how I was just crying throughout, like from the jump watching it, it's very emotional. And mm. um, it, it, and I'm not even, you know, Latino. And that one scene with uh, uh, Olga, I keep on going back to that. Her number is just fucking mm. amazing. Um, yeah, I, it's gonna, we stand this movie. Anyways. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that emotion that you're talking about, we felt every day on set. Yeah. It was very spiritual. Like we'd show up and we'd see a, a park full of uh, people of the neighborhood uh, uh, playing hopscotch, playing basketball, hanging out. And one of the background came up to us like, you know, they, they only shot law and order here. And it's always a police officer or a dead body here. Like this is crazy. Wow. That okay. was always moving, always a reminder. There would be people in the neighborhood watching from, from their windows and they would be hanging their flag out the windows while we danced. Mm. Like you could wow. not ask for a more beautiful uh, block to be shooting on uh, people who, who were supporting you. Yes, they would yell at us if we we're in their uh, parking spot, but in love, like family. And, yeah. and that, yeah. was, that was great. That influenced every ounce. I didn't know if it was gonna capture it on, on film, but when I looked back at the dailies, you could feel it. You can look at anybody in there and they're giving yeah. real, realness. What, was it always the intention to film it um, at the, on the actual location in, in Washington Heights? Yes. Okay. It was okay. always sort of the big idea of it. Okay. Like we're shooting there and we're not taking them anywhere. We're not taking them to a mansion when they dream of a mansion. Mm. We're putting the mansion on the streets. It's a, it's a, like an art installation invading their space uh, because mm. that's how you dream when you only know those spaces. So mm. we wanted to reflect yeah. oh, I like uh, that. that. Yeah. It was every, well, every ounce though, we would be like 
should we be doing this on a back lot? <laughs> easier if we can lift that wall yeah <laughs> i'm sure yeah. it, it just brought another sense of another energy right like to yeah, just yeah. i mean champagne that that um, um anthony and melissa sing at the end there's no cuts there that's one shot in a real apartment building yeah there's no room i'm the only one there and i'm uh, other than the steady cam guy and i'm hiding in a bathroom upside down <laughs> the monitor they're singing live so we have a pianist outside on this on the sidewalk playing with them because they're changing the pace as they're going because they have to act things out so they're actually mm. arguing while they're singing wow and actors who can ease in and out of dialogue and music and movement and not feel like they're performing that scene is like a triumph for me it's raw yeah. we're there they're so vulnerable and and so it's those moments that i'm like this is why we're this is why we're here yeah. Well, well, John, uh, you have a lot of things in the works. And you're just a busy man. So, you know, thank you for even just talking <laughs> to us. You know, yeah. and you're just like, you know, there's Wicked coming. There's yes. a small thing called Wicked. And Congrats. then the Thai K uh, rescue film. And then yep. you also have Home Before Dark. And then also like the Crazy Rich Asians uh, yes, cinematic exactly. universe is happening. <laughs> R A C U. I call I call it the Chuniverse, but the Chuniverse. Yes. Come on, Chuniverse. Um, Hashtag. But, you know, you, you you are doing a lot, but you know, before we let you go, uh, we always ask this to everyone who comes on our podcast: Is there an underrepresented voice in the industry, whether it's an actor, writer, producer, creator, anyone who's not in the mainstream that you think people need to know about that deserves more shine? Just someone who is doing something really dope that just kind of needs an extra boost. Um, Mary Choi, she's an amazing writer. Oh my mm. gosh, her books. Permanent Record is like, so, her writing, I don't know. I, some, I don't even understand sometimes what she's writing because it's so <laughs> in the pocket. And I'm like, I need to be younger and I need to be cooler. And I think she's <laughs> the voice of a whole new generation of people. And I think she's a director. I think she's a writer. I think she's all those things. Maybe doesn't have the experience yet, but yeah. I would do anything to give her that shot because I just think every time I read her and we're working together right now, every time I see something she does, it's just so dope. Yeah. Uh, Mary Ch yeah. Mary Choi. Mary oh, Choi. cool. Yeah. Well, Wait, you know so what? We're looking forward to that. John, before we let you go, I have to ask you, because I think I'll be remiss if we don't ask, is there any updates on Crazy Rich Asians too? Yeah. The Chuniverse. In the Chuniverse. <laughs> the next installment in the Chuniverse. The Linomatic Chuniverse. The Linomatic. Yeah, yeah. The Linomatic. Oh, I love that. <laughs> uh, we're going way too far. Guys. Um, <laughs> <laughs> will it be a crossover with Fast and Furious? Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Step up in space. Oh, yes. Uh, in space. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, you know, I, for me personally, uh, In the Heights is the sequel to Crazy Rich <laughs> <laughs> But that said, on the side, we're working on it. We're working okay. hard. Um, it, it's got to be great for us to come back. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're looking for it. Everyone's on such another level. I was with Nora yesterday, and it was just like... Oh, it's her birthday yesterday. It's her birthday, birthday yesterday. Mm -hmm. And what a... I can't believe how much everyone has just grown. I was watching the Immortals trailer where Gemma is <gasps> the star, and the ad for that, the ad before that was Henry Golding and Snake Eyes, and then Snake the ad after that was Shang-Chi uh, with Nora. Stop. Um, and I was like, this is crazy. This is crazy. The, the biggest- It's crazy rich Asians, <laughs> crazy. <laughs> Way too far now. Uh, <laughs> the biggest legacy of the movie wasn't the movie, it was the people, 100%. Yeah. Well, yeah. oh my God, We're, I'm just so excited. You know, thank you so much, John, for joining us and for yeah. all that you do. And you know, it's like, I, I always bobbed up. You guys, you're, you're on the front lines, uh, amplifying. And, and I, I see that every time and These I types follow you and I read. So it makes, it's, it's a huge difference. Yeah, we get I needed it. We get excited yeah. about projects like this. We realize anything that can, can take, can help bridge a gap or even like close off brown and black faces. Yeah, like we get, we get Asian really excited faces, about, and then faces. when it's, when it's, when it's good, it's even better. So yeah. thank you so this, much. This is why I think by the way, cinema can't die because the box office number does matter. This That's is, how you get attention. That is, yeah. of course, if you don't feel comfortable, watch on HBO Max. However, <laughs> that number surprises people it becomes a thing, it becomes a story, it becomes yes. the second story of this. Right. And so, um, you know, where I didn't feel comfortable pushing everyone to the theater, I know now if you're vaccinated, you're ready to go. Like that number matters as crass as it, as it is. That's yeah. the only democratic part of 
storytelling anymore. They're not going to tell you how many streams it is. They're not going to tell you how many subscribers yeah. they got from it. They make up those. I don't know what those numbers are. I honestly <laughs> think they make, they, they make it up. <laughs> what you spend at that at that box office, you cannot deny it. That's you a can't. Fact. Yeah, you got to make this. Yeah. 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 And this well, is a we're, very we'll theatrical. The this is, this yeah. is a very theatrical movie. We got we had to watch it on our because we because we had screeners, we got but, screeners, but I'm this, going in the theater to watch it. This so. should be experienced. In I mean, the I'll buy your ticket. Well, hopefully, yeah. Thank you so much, John. And you know, hopefully, see you in person soon. Would love that sooner rather that. than later, man. Yeah. Then, yeah. Thank you so much. And congrats on everything. And yeah, have a new baby in a couple weeks. Yeah. You you're just bit. I just I don't understand how you do it, but how does you do it? But we love we love that you do. So thank you. Thank <laughs> you so much. Babies give blessings. So. Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, and didn't, right. you, didn't didn't you have a baby while you were filming in yeah, the Heights? And that's why you, yeah. <laughs> Look at you. So that was next, also another pressure. Is, is the next baby gonna be? Is the next baby gonna be what? Wicked, uh-huh. crazy, rich, <laughs> <Asian? laughs> You're gonna make your next kid Elphaba. <laughs> Elfie Chew. Yeah. Elfie Chew. Oh, that's cute. Elfie. <laughs> Thank you so oh, much, John. Thank you so much. This episode is brought to you by Lifetime's Robin Roberts Presents Mahalia. From executive producers Robin Roberts and Linda Berman comes the biopic of the legendary Mahalia Jackson. Grammy Award winner Daniel Brooks stars as the trailblazer whose music moved, inspired, and changed people's hearts. Critics have praised Brooks's transformative performance into the Queen of Gospel as thunderingly good. Directed by Kenny Leon and written by Bettina Jillowa and Todd Kreidler, this Lifetime original movie continues to inspire viewers and highlights the ongoing fight for social justice. Robin Roberts presents Mahalia for your Emmy consideration in all categories. Lin-Manuel, thank you so much for doing this. I'm Amanda, by the way. I didn't get to introduce myself, but um, nice to meet you. And thank you so much for for doing this for Deadline's New Hollywood podcast. Um, Yeah, obviously, you know, we're here for In the Heights. Um, Dino and I saw it and and absolutely loved it. Um, I saw it twice because I had the link for a, a limited amount of time. <laughs> yeah, I watched, I actually watched it twice too. So um, yes, there like it, it gave me chills. So congrats on this film um, and on everything that you you've done and accomplished in your career. Uh, so many amazing things to, that we could go through. But um, so for for this for our podcast, we like to we like to start uh, start by asking people about what um, inspired them to get into this business and 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 for you. What was that urge for you to, perf- to to become a performer and a storyteller? Sure. Um, again, I, I think of it as like, when does when does the addiction hit? When do you get that first taste of applause? Um, for me, it was the sixth grade play. Um, we had an amazing music teacher at our elementary school named Barbara Ames. And she would mount a musical with our shop teacher, Robert Sherman, uh, for the sixth graders. So... Um, when you're in kindergarten, you go to see the sixth grade play. When you're in first grade, you go to see the sixth grade play. By the time you reach sixth grade, you're so feverish with anticipation. Like, what are they going to do for the musical when we're finally in sixth grade? And when we got there, they ran out of age-appropriate musicals for 12-year-olds. <laughs> and so we did 20-minute versions of the previous six years. So I was a farmer in Oklahoma, a son and fiddler on the roof, Bernardo and West Side Story, an Adderall backup in The Wiz, um, oh. a um, Captain Hook, and Conrad Birdie. And Conrad Birdie is the one that got me hooked on this business because I was 12 years old and very short and... <laughs> When you play Conrad Birdie, you're Elvis. And my abuela made me a gold lame jacket. And okay, every nice. time I sang, one of my classmates had to faint. They had to pretend to be so yeah. in love with me. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Faint. And then the song ends and everyone's fainted at your feet. Yeah. That dopamine rush. <laughs> 
is something I have been chasing since I was 12 years old. <laughs> like you can't give that much attention to a 12 year old whose parents are always working and is starved for attention. Um, it was a wrap after that. Yeah. Um, and then obviously, I mean, you, you, you've made so many, you've done so many stage plays and, and, and Broadway and, and theater. Was it, you, you started out writing uh, plays, right? But was it always your, your sort of goal uh, to become, to, 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 to be an actor, director and producer in Hollywood? Was that, was that always sort of your, your, your end goal? Yeah, well, it, it all happened very organically for me. My, my first dream was to be a, a filmmaker. I just, mm. I, I had the magical experience of my grandfather owned a VHS video store in Puerto Rico uh, for mm. a few summers, Miranda Video. Uh, oh, nice. I mean, if you, you talk to any director, <laughs> unlimited access to age inappropriate movies is <laughs> the way in. Um, so it was full exposure to whatever I wanted because my grandparents were working and I had the back of the store. Mm. Um, and so um, I wanted to make movies and then I fell in love with performing by doing the school play. And yeah. um, I can't tell you what like a, a magic amulet being a theater kid in high school is because mm -hmm. you make friends with other grades. So when the drama of your grade, which feels so life or death when you're a teenager is happening, you say, I'm gonna go visit my friends from the play <laughs> in a mm. different home. <laughs> um, the, the, the value of, of making something together when no one's getting paid, it's just about the joy of making something, um, mm -hmm. I think taught me lessons about collaboration and artistic collaboration that I still take with me. Mm -hmm. um, it teaches you about leadership because you can't hire or fire anyone. <laughs> it's just whoever shows up. And, and the only thing you have to lead them is your vision for what you're making. Um, and, and so when I got to college, I, I really wanted to study both theater and film. And then a practicality took over with me choosing mm. theater over film. If you're a theater major at Wesleyan, the department pays for your senior production. If you are a oh. film major, you have to finance your senior oh. <laughs> I knew my parents were killing themselves for me to be able to go to that school. And I wasn't about to then say, and you have to pay for a short film on top of it. I just wasn't gonna do it. Mm -hmm. um, so I declared theater and not film and um, and made as much as I could. I was, I was really, I, I watched my sister go through college and how, what a toll it took on my parents. And I was like, I'm not gonna be a burden. I'm just not gonna be a burden. I'm gonna make as much shit as I can. I cannot. Mm -hmm graduate with just a bachelor of arts under my arm. I'm gonna graduate with stuff. With something, um, yeah. Play. This is what I've written, this is what I've written. Um, mm. So I saw that as four years of like lab time. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. That makes sense, yeah. And it, it, I, it, it's so interesting, it's like, I was never in theater, but I was in choir. And so there was overlap. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, uh, I, like all my theater friends, I was all, you know, I'm not gonna lie. I was like, oh, some of them are kind of weird, but kind of this <laughs> cool weird. Like there's this like theater vibe that a, a specific theater kid has that I oh. just love. And that's like attractive. And like, I see that like with you, even as you're an adult, I'm like, oh, he probably would have been someone I like, you know, kind of hung out with in high school, but, <laughs> but not, uh, but, you know, navigating through your career, you know, uh, I mean, obviously within the Heights, you know, your, your culture is very much injected in there. But even with your like kind of these non things, even like, I guess, Hamilton, you would say, but how has your own cultural identity help you inform your choices and like even just your creative process? Sure. Well, I, you know, again, in the Heights, the first version of it was my first attempt to bring my Latinidad to my work. My yeah. hero was Jonathan Larson. He wrote rock musicals. My first two musicals are rock musicals. I was yeah. just copying my hero. Mm -hmm. um, and then in the Heights felt like actually the best way to honor him because what Jonathan was doing was writing about his community and he was mm -hmm. writing about this disappearing West Village. Um, and so it only makes sense in hindsight that I was like, let me write about my changing neighborhood. Mm -hmm. um, and then it really got good when Kiara came on board in 2004. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't think 
Hamilton exists without my particular prism on it, which was, I actually only understand this as a proto-immigrant story, mm -hmm. as an immigrant narrative. Um, that was my way in, you know, I didn't have a relationship with the dudes on the money. Like that was not, <laughs> that was not something I learned a lot about in school or paid attention to in school anyway. Mm -hmm. I didn't take any history classes in college. And, um, but the fact that he came from the Caribbean at the same age as my father um, and that he was, again, the flip side of it, like had had this hunger, had the, the power to do as many jobs as possible and live as if he was living on borrowed time. But also the flip side that he was viewed with suspicion throughout his career because of that status. Mm. Who is this kid? I think John Adams called him the Creole bastard of a Scottish brat. Mm. Um, again, like those epithets are going to get hurled at him in his 30s and 40s. This guy fought in the Revolutionary War. This guy was the first Treasury secretary and still because of that status. So, so to me, it was a hip hop story and a proto-immigrant story. And that was the only way in which I could find my way in. Mm, um, yeah. Another person may have read that book and found a completely different way in, but that was my understanding of it. And I think it very much represents that perspective. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like telling, I think it, it always goes to that kind of story of like, I'll write what you know, or create what you know. And it's like, something like our experiences you know you know whatever we write it's like oh it's normal to us but people think it's groundbreaking you know uh, uh no like, one was surprised know. by more surprised by the like outcry <laughs> over the crazy casting of yeah. than me i was like the idea was a hip-hop musical yeah like, wouldn't i cast brown and black people <laughs> the people singing those songs <laughs> because then it would I just be up. If it yeah. was an all-white cast. <laughs> but also it would just end up being, I, I always think of that like, cause I remember I was talking to a friend recently about like we were at dinner and um, uh, and we were talking about In the Heights and he was like, I don't know about rap musicals. And I was like, it's not gonna be like that episode of Saved by the Bell where they did Snow White. Snow White. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, no shade <laughs> Where it was just like, oh, my name is Dino and I'm here to say it's not. <laughs> well, you know what's so funny, though? I mean, again, like and we can get real deep on this is that like I'm, I'm born in 1980. So I my sister took me to every first Hollywood attempt at figuring out how to incorporate hip hop into the movies. I saw yeah. Beat Street in the theater. I saw Breaking in the theater. I saw Crush Groove as a oh little boy. Yeah. Um, you know, I saw Disorderlies in the- Oh my theater. God, Disorderlies. <laughs> On the day of my sixth grade graduation, my sister's present to me was a pair of white gerbo jeans. And oh, she nice. took a class act with Kid and Play. Like that was my, <laughs> that was my graduation present. Mm -hmm. So, and, and House Party and like, again like so I lived through like watching that dance between wider culture and hip-hop and the mute you know again like my taste is entirely informed by having a cool older sister um and also like the Saved by the Bell rap episode and my name is Bonnie <laughs> Rumble and I'm here to say I love Fruity Pebbles in a major way yeah. and, but then also Biggie Sprite commercial yeah oh yeah Sprite commercial you know, you know, I like oh the Sprite in you. Oh my God, okay. <laughs> like a kiss with a llama twist. Now you know that's kicking words. Words, so drink up, drink up. Drink up and what you gotta do. Why? Why, because I, like I like the Sprite in you. In you. Oh my God. Oh, okay. It was huge. It was huge. You know, go watch Tribe Called Quest Sprite commercial. Yes. You know I mean? like, no, because it was a moment. I performed that exact crisscross <laughs> rap to the Sprite commercial for our spring pop show my senior year. And I remember we had to, I had to do a quick change from a country <laughs> routine to a hip hop routine. So it was wild. And I'm so glad you brought that up. But, you know, within the Heights, that's been a long journey. And, you know, from, you know, when it was on Broadway to now, but, you know, kind of what does this musical mean to you back you know, what did the musical mean to you back then compared to now? Oh, I won't make it through the answer to this question. <laughs> so apologies in advance. Again, I think, like I said earlier, I think the 
I, I felt closest to Nina. Nina's stuff was always the hardest to write because it was the mm -mm. closest to the bone. It was the, you know, the, the kid who feels out of place in every yeah. neighborhood they're in. That was me. I was, I was the kid who went to a fancy school on my block. Yeah. I was the Latino kid at my school and I was the little gringuito in Vega Alta, Puerto Rico, every summer I got sent there. I was the one who had the fucked up accent. Um, <laughs> so um, that was the one that, like, when I wrote Breathe, when I wrote Everything I Know, those were always the hardest. Those are the songs with the most drafts. And the double vision of not only getting to make a, a movie of In the Heights, but filming it in the neighborhood yeah. it's about. You know, again, like, I, I remember... I, John called me one day, we were in pre-production and John called me and said, we're rehearsing when you're home. Um, I'll text you the address um, of where we're rehearsing it. And it was in J Hood Wright Park, which I walked through with my son every day to take him to pre-K. Um, it was also where my wife lived in her first apartment when we were dating. Um, and again, like my first date with my wife, she grew up in Washington Heights too, was us taking each other to our favorite places in the neighborhood. That is Aww. the basis of the song, When You're Home. <laughs> I was writing that song while we were falling in love in real time. Um, and so I called Vanessa and said, I, I know you're working, but you really have to get the fuck over here um, to watch these, they're, they're filming it in J Hood Wright Park. Yeah. And she comes to the set and she just looks up and she goes, that's my grandmother's building. You know, grandmother's building is just north of the park. I go, yeah. And she goes, my grandmother's building is going to be in this movie. Oh my God. Um, and my wife cried. Now listen, oh. my wife didn't cry at the end of It's a Wonderful Life. <laughs> that movie ended. Yeah. She said, that was good. It was, sad. was like, that's fine. Whatever. <laughs> um, wow. So again, like there's so, like I can point at every scene in this movie and, and point out not only where I was, when I was writing the song, but where in that neighborhood that represents for me, my, towards the end of my abuela's life, she was in a nursing home on 190th and Wadsworth. I had to pass through that mile long 190th street, one train tunnel every day to go see her. Oh, I'd buy wow. $5 lottery tickets and a cup of coffee from the bodega next to the nursing home. And the fact that Abuela Claudia sings her song in that oh tunnel is insane to me um there's so many layers to the shit like mm. i'll be unpacking it for the rest of my life <laughs> you definitely feel it though and like we, we me and amanda can't stop talking about yeah. you know, how, how how we connected with this you know neither of us are you know latino it's like we're just i was crying throughout the whole I, yeah i was gonna say like when you mentioned nina i, I we, we just had anthony on the podcast and now we were just talking about how much I related to Nina's story I, I, like it was like this is something that like I've been through like I I get what her the her the father daughter daughter dynamic it all like made made so much sense and I and I really love that the 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 universal quality of this movie like you don't need to be somebody from the Latino community to get it um it it was it was so it was something that like like I said it was so I was so easily connected to um for, so for, let me ask you. So the the obviously there were dates to this version um, versus your original uh, the the theater version that you had written. How did you and 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 John and Kier sort of collaborate to figure out which of the original uh, like elements you wanted to include in the film and which which of which things that you wanted to update um, for this for this version? Um, I think one of the big advantages we had, I think it begins with Kiara, because you have to remember that Kiara came on board to start working with me when I already had these characters and I had some of the songs. And so, and she'll be the first to admit to say, like, I was working, I was playing catch up. You already had a shorthand with Tommy Kale. And mm -hmm. like, I was trying to figure out my, my role uh, in this. And we really kind of started from scratch again with Kiara, you know, Abuela Claudia, I had written a song for her, but I didn't know how she integrated into the larger story yet. Um, the salon ladies sort of really find form. The community really finds form when Kiara's on board. But with the screenplay, Kiara said to me, let me get a head start. 
Like, let me actually write the screenplay ahead of it. I, I think I'll be braver in my choices um, if we're not both staring at this thing we co-parented. Um, mm. And and so that was fantastic. And and um, and so she took the first stab at the screenplay. And then what she and John really settled on, because John's whole thesis was this is going to be as grounded in the real world on location as possible. Mm. And the more grounded we are, the bigger we can go when we go to their dreams. Oh. Um, like that's like the, the the more rooted we are, the higher we can kind of take the take this the musical sequences and go full Hollywood and go full fantasy sequence. Um, and and his option, he always opted for the most cinematic version of telling the story. Like ninety six thousand. Why don't we do that in the pool of one hundred seventy fifth with five hundred fucking dancers? That was. <laughs> Do that. One of my favorite scenes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like the, the whole movie. Every every company routine is just like, oh, why didn't I get invited to perform? <laughs> like you want to be involved. It's because right. like, yeah. like, oh, I missed the party. Like <laughs> I think when the sun goes down is a stroke of genius to have him throw his hair up the side of the building oh. uh, with Nina. You can't do that on stage. Yeah. Uh, so again, it's like he's always choosing the option that you can't do on stage uh, and, and pushing us to go bigger and um, to, the, the fantasies go bigger. And then the stuff in the real world is so rooted. You will not hear a more complicated reaction than watching Mark Anthony's appearance in this movie in Puerto Rico, where I saw it. Where Whoa. we're used to seeing him in a shiny suit yeah. at the Coliseum, and there he is, and because people forget what an incredible actor he is, um, like just playing that part and that uncle or that you know Theo that we all have, yeah. um, and and it's so real, it's so it, real from the like that what's on the TV to the box fan in the apartment mm. to the bottles around the apartment. I mean, it's so fucking real. Yeah. So like. It like the realer you get in those moments, like the bigger you can go in the fantastic moments. Yeah, that makes, I never really noticed that. Oh, yeah. wow. We learn something new every day. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah and I, I mean, I love how big this, this movie was in scope. It was so bright, colorful. It was so exciting. Um, we, Dino and I talked about it and we were like, this is, this kind of feels like we're getting uh, a Black Panther crazy rich Asian moment again for the Latino community. I feel like, when we talk about representation a lot, especially in this business, we don't really talk about the Latino community. It's usually like black, you know, maybe black, white, maybe Asian, maybe LGBTQ. Um, but we, but we don't talk about the Latino community and the representation that we that we have on screen. And this movie obviously comes at a much needed time. How? Do, what do you hope to take away from this? And what do you, what do you hope this movie can do for? the Latino uh, representation when it comes to um, like film and television. Honestly, like my big dream is that five years from now, 10 years from now, we're saying, what was the big deal about it? We get a Latino movie every month now. Yeah, um, right? Anthony's in every third movie now. Um, God, I would love he is a, a leading man. He, he is a leading man. He's, he's fighting Transformers as we speak, <laughs> yeah. um, which is amazing. Yeah. Um, but again, like, and, and, I, and I saw how brilliantly John threaded this needle with Crazy Rich Asians. You know, so often we're given the lie um, and it happened on the first go round of this was like, well, there are no Latino international movie stars, so we can't green light your movie. Mm. Um, and this gives the lie to that um, because Leslie Grace is a movie star and Melissa Barrett oh. is a movie star and Corey Hawkins is a movie star. Um, so the fact that, um, you know, and, and again, like it's, it's, um, so that's the hope. And again, and that's the other thing, the, the, the tricky thing about Black Panther and Crazy Rich Asians is there is, they are much needed and they are barrier breakers. And, yeah. and I remember going and supporting Black Panther, going to the theater to support Crazy Rich Asians. And at the same time, no movie can represent us all. It's right. just no, no. possible. Right. Um, and so there will be discourse around that as well. And there will be Latinos who see this movie and say, I don't see my story up there. And, and the, the importance is, is gonna be the shift from representation to power so that those oh. stories get their platform and those stories can be told 
as well and to, to just sort of create a lane for that. Um, because I started writing in the Heights because I knew I'd never get cast as Bernardo and I really wanted a life in musicals yeah. and that was all we had. And it was mm. 50 years old by the time I started writing this thing. Mm. Uh, and so if in the Heights begets, is begat out of West Side Story, out of necessity, <laughs> what will in the Heights beget? And I cannot tell you, you know, I remember DMing with Dominique Fishback and her saying, in the Heights was my first Broadway show. And for that to be normal, for a stage full of Latinos to be yeah. the entry point for her and that inspiring her to write theater, uh, like means the world to me. Yeah. Um, that's the part that chokes me up is the like, I see that and that means I'm allowed to write my story. Yeah. Oh my God. Such a, that's a correct answer. Thank you. <laughs> I didn't know there was the writer on this, but I'm, I'm glad I hit the button. We've been testing you this whole time. Yeah, no, they, this, this, this kind of thing, these kind of projects is what gets us excited. And it, and it, and it gets, I always think about what's going to come next after this, right? Like what's going to, what's going to be the, the next thing, not, the, not yeah. necessarily the next Black Panther, because that's, that's, that's for yeah. live on its own. But the next thing, right? The next story that we haven't heard, the next. So these types of projects, like I, I, I get excited because I feel like hopefully they open doors. Uh, you know, they open doors for more opportunities for 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 people of color, for people that like are were were usually in the margins to tell their stories and to have different types of stories and 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 all that. So so we're very excited about this. Everybody needs to see it when it comes. Yeah, out. in the theater. I'm going to go the see theater. it in the theater. Yeah, we didn't get to. See, I'm definitely seeing it in the. It's a theatrical movie, you guys. Yeah. It is. It yeah. is something that I. We, if you we're don't, gonna we're going to track you down. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> um, we know you're super busy. You, you have uh, tick 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 boom. You have the Little Mermaid movie. You're, oh you're, you're doing a, a whole bunch of stuff. But what what's next? So the, the, this movie comes out June. 11. 11. What's yeah. next after after this is sort of like completed? What 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 are you working on next? <laughs> so the the pandemic scrambled my plans a lot and pushed everything to this year. So I have an animated movie I've been working on for 11 years. Mm. Um the past five of them with Kiara um, called Vivo. Uh, that's oh yeah. Netflix, I think hopefully later this summer, which is, we, we, we went from like, when is it coming out to like, oh, it's coming out tomorrow. Um, <laughs> and and I actually started writing that in 2009. Like it, it shares a lot of the musical DNA of In the Heights um, mm -hmm. because I was writing those around at the same time. Okay. And then um, and then I have Tick Tick Boom, which my, my editor is downstairs right now <laughs> and not to hog the Wi-Fi so I can talk to you guys. Um, and and then um, I've been working on this animated score uh, called uh, Encanto uh, that's set in Colombia. And that has been a total joy. And I turned in the last song two weeks ago, mm -hmm. um, which is, you know, just a little past my deadline since the movie <laughs> November and they have to animate it. There's no, you know, deadline, pandemic deleted yeah. all deadlines. <laughs> um, and, and I think, and, and Rob has been working on Little Mermaid like in, in the UK, like this whole time, like mm -hmm. this whole top of the year. So I, I'm really excited to sort of see all that. I'm excited to see Hallie. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, oh, and hopefully- I was the recording sessions in January of 2020 and then like, like the songs were done and uh, oh, we're I'm excited for I that can't one. Wait for that one, yeah. yeah. And a Sprite commercial, maybe uh, a Sprite commercial. Listen, <laughs> we need to bring back like hip hop artists writing original tunes for for, just for Sprite. Okay, in terms of like commercial hip hop, there are two things I miss. I miss the Sprite commercials. Um, although, you know, we did get a late inning one with Drake when his like head popped open. Yeah, and yeah, 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 yeah. That was cool. Um, and um, and then the other thing is I miss um, hip hop songs at the end of the movie that summarize the movie. Oh, that's a good one. That was one. like a whole thing in the 80s and 90s where it was like, again, it's like, Will Smith with Men in Black, mm. uh, you know, the Adams Family, MC Hammer. Oh, MC Hammer. I would oh. love, I mean, it does, it's not quite right for Tick Tick Boom, but how great would it be if there was just a rap? There's like 
just a song that summarized the plot. Yeah. Um, no, there are they are rebooting Turtle House Party. Which one? The Ninja Turtle one. Hash fell that heroes for in this day and age. Who could ask for more? That just oh my god! Yeah, we do need crime. That was the name of the group that sang that song. Partners in Crime, K R Y M E. Oh my god! That's a good point. Like the 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 summer the rap summary of a of a movie. There was a guy Demi on Twitter who was a writer on the Good Place. Did one for Get Out? He wrote a fake one for Get Out. I need to look that one up. Hilarious. Okay. And it's him as Will, like it's a Will Smith version of the closing credit rap for Get Out. Go watch that right now. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So Lynn, uh, we like to end our conversations, you know, asking, uh, you know, if there is an underrep or you to uh, give a shout out to an underrepresented voice in the industry, whether it's a a writer, creator, actor, producer, anyone who's not necessarily in the mainstream that's up and coming, uh, that you think people need to know about, that you just want to give shine to. I mean, people, you know, I think the industry is very insular, but there's like kind of who someone who's not mainstream that's something doing someone doing like some they're doing something really dope that you just want to say, hey, listen to this, watch them, watch this, anything. Yeah. Oh, sure. Actually, you know what? I, I'm gonna I'm gonna actually go back into my little theater lane. Um, yes. One of the most exciting shows I saw before the world closed was a musical called A Strange Loop by a young writer named Michael R. Jackson. Uh, it is an incredible coming of age story, um, sort of growing up gay and black in the Bible Belt in the South. Ooh. It is unbelievable score. Um, and, you know, that was all set to run the table um, yeah. as sort of the next uh, Broadway musical. I'm hoping there is still, I, I'm not involved in the show at all. I don't have a horse in the race. Yeah. Uh, a really- You're just a fan. You're just a fan. Writing and uh, I can't wait for the world to uh, discover it because uh, it's a really original voice uh, in, in the world of musical theater. I can't wait to see it. What, what, say the name again of the- of the name is Michael R. Jackson. The show is called The Strange Loop. The strange okay. Okay. We'll look okay. out. Okay, we'll yeah. look out for that. I'm trying to go to New York soon, so you know, hopefully, it's Broadway you know, opening back up. So hopefully, fingers crossed. Hopefully, that some stuff open more. Yeah, yeah. I hope it finds its way back because it's, it's so incredible. Lynn, uh, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much yeah. for chatting with us. Me and Amanda are fans. I'm a diehard fan from when I won the lottery to see yeah. Hamilton yeah. in February of and 2018. And I finally got to see it when it came on Disney Plus <laughs> the lottery. <laughs> I tried. So. Um, yeah. yeah, I wasn't fortunate, but we we did a whole family thing when it came on Disney Plus. We were all, it was, it was amazing. Like it was, yeah. it was, my brother was singing on top of, my brother just loves the soundtrack, singing on top of his lungs. Like it was, it, yeah, it was, it was a good experience. Yeah. And so. just thank you, Lynn, for all you do, you know, and you could just bringing your art to the masses. Yeah. And changing lives. Champion, you know, and representation and all that stuff. This is, this is what we, we yeah. get, like I said, we get excited about and we're, we're appreciative about. So thank you for all that you do. Yeah. And then call me if you want to do a Sprite commercial. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, Lynn. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Great talk. Thank you. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus.